Uh, we are finding ourselves in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're rounding the bend towards the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, if I have to be honest with you, in some ways, this has been kind of a tough journey. So Jesus has been casting this vision of a life in the kingdom. And in some ways, it's like breathtakingly beautiful. But at the same time, it's challenging, right? Um, because Jesus is not just after kind of checking the box on external obedience. He's after something fuller and deeper. He is after our hearts. He wants a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees. He wants a righteousness that comes internally. He wants the inside and the outside to match. And the more that those two things do match, the more we'll experience blessing and flourishing in the kingdom of God. But as we know, sometimes that's hard. You know, we've got the world that's going against us, and even we've got our own heart that oftentimes wants to move us away from God. And so we can find ourselves sometimes like, oh my goodness, convicted yet again as we've been making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. But I love the fact that along the stops, uh, excuse me, kind of along the path of the Sermon on the Mount, there's stops along the way just to kind of encourage us, to give us some refreshment. And I think um, this morning is another one of those stops. It's kind of an oasis in the desert for us. Um, it, it's sort of a balm to our souls, a sweet relief to us, where Jesus simply says, hey, when life gets hard, when you're troubled, when you're struggling, I want you to simply pray and ask God for help. That's what we're going to find this morning in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Before we read that passage, let me just share with you a quick story that relates to prayer. Um, to kind of go along with Fourth of July weekend, about five weeks into the Constitutional Convention of 1787, our founding fathers, of course, were attempting to establish this country, to, to write a document that would help to govern our country for many years to come. But at this point in time, they were at an impasse. They were stuck. They were divided. They were tired. They were disunified. And in many ways, they were ready to give up. Um, and so right before the delegates were about to return home for some much-needed rest, uh, the, ben the Benjamin Franklin, he uttered these words. It's kind of a long quote, but I think it's appropriate for them then and for us now. Listen to what he says. He says, In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth, and scarce able to distinguish it when presented to us, how has it happened, sirs, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of lights to illuminate our understanding? In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sirs, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. But have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sirs, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth— that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? I therefore beg, to leave, beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. In essence, Benjamin Franklin said, guys, we are in trouble. So... Let us pray. And so following the recess, the founding fathers reconvened and they began each day with prayer. And in only 10 weeks, they produced the document that has become the longest ongoing constitution in the history of the world. 
And so I don't know what might be on your hearts this morning. I don't know what might be troubling you. You're probably not trying to write the U.S. Constitution. But whatever it is, whatever challenge you might be facing, let us heed the counsel of not only our founding fathers, but ultimately Jesus himself, where he says, hey, when you're in trouble, bring it to me. Come to me. Draw near to me. Ask me for help. So with that as kind of an introduction to us, let's stand in honor of God's word this morning. Read Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Listen to God's invitation to you and to me. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you this morning um, with hearts that I'm sure have concerns whether there might be a health issue or a financial challenge or a job prospect or uh, a, 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 a friend or a family member who's far off from you or a health issue. I, I don't know what the, the challenge might be, but would you help us to listen to your invitation to bring these things to you? Would we hold on to your promises that are found in your word? That when we bring these needs to you, you will hear us and you will respond. Lord, may we um, be a praying people as we respond to this invitation this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can take your seats. And as you do, today's sermon is entitled, Let Us Pray. And we've got three points this morning. Uh, so first in verses 7 and 8, we're going to look at God's promise for prayer. And then second, in verses 9 through 11, we're going to look at God's perspective in prayer. And then last but not least, verse 12, God's power through prayer. So God's promise, God's perspective, and God's power. Um, you know, we got to keep the alliteration going as Pastor Paul is away this weekend. So first, God's promise for prayer. Verses 7 and 8, um, Jesus uses three different terms for, for prayer, uh, and they sort of uh, pro progress in intensity. So the first word is simply ask. It just means to make a general request of the Lord. And, and sometimes we can kind of move past it too quickly. But I want you to hear this, that the God of the universe invites you and me to talk to him. Prayer is not um, our idea. It is God's idea. He wants to hear from us. Uh, sometimes we can think that God's distracted or he's not interested in our needs, but I want you to hear this. God is very good at multitasking. He wants to hear from you and me. I have this friend uh, uh, growing up. Her name was Joanna Mays, and she wore Matthew 7, 7 like it was a badge on her chest. She would quote Matthew 7, 7 wherever she went. Anytime we were in Sunday school class together, the teacher would ask, like, hey, who wants to share a verse? And she would say, Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. There's my Joanna Mays impression. Um, she would quote that verse all the time. We'd be playing outside and it's raining. And she's like, Matthew 7, 7. And then she'd quote the verse and she'd say, please, Lord, take away the rain. Or, you know, we're playing a board game. And she's like, Matthew 7, 7, help me to win. It didn't matter what it was. Like, she would just ask. It was her mantra. And I used to think, 
you know, I'm the much more mature Christian, and so those small needs, those aren't important to the Lord. But if I'm honest, <laughs> the reason why I didn't ask is because I really wanted to be in control. I wanted to do things on my own. And prayer attacks pride. It attacks self-assurance. It attacks self-confidence. It attacks self-reliance. Prayer simply says, it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm going to bring this need to the Lord. Uh, Tim Keller, he puts it this way. He says, to pray is to accept that we are and always will be wholly dependent on God for everything. Uh, Paul Miller puts it this way in his book, Praying Life. He says, a needy heart is a praying heart. Dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. Oftentimes, the greatest problem is not unanswered prayer. It is unoffered prayer. And some of you may be wondering, well, but, but Scott, like, if God already knows what we need, you know, like, why should we pray? I mean, it's not like we're informing him or instructing him. Like, what's the point of prayer if God already knows everything? See, God has something deeper in mind. It's not just to instruct him or to inform him. It is to relate to him. It is to simply say, God, I'm needy. I need you. See, prayer invites the Heavenly Father into our lives. In essence, prayer is not transactional. It is relational in nature. So we're not like a genie in the bottle where we kind of offer up a prayer and then we, we go on our way. No, God is inviting us to relate to him, to depend on him, to bring everything to him. And if I look back, Joanna's relationship with God was much deeper and fuller than mine was. Because it didn't matter what was going on, nothing was off limits for her in bringing it to the Lord. That's what God wants from us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus had the same posture. What did he do? He, he withdrew to be with his father, to bring his needs before his father, to talk to his father, to draw near to his father. And for those of us who are in Christ, we have the same invitation. We have the same access to the father to come boldly before him in our time of need. So let me ask you, how are you doing at that? Are you responding to this promise that if you ask, you will receive? Or if, let me ask you another question. Maybe it's, maybe you're not asking, maybe you're not asking, what is keeping you from coming to him? Is it pride? Is it, is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it not wanting to give up control? Jesus says, bring that to me too. In other words, don't just bring your request Bring your heart in the midst of that request. I want to hear from you. I want to relate to you. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. What a, what a great promise for, our, for us as his people, right? Second, Jesus says, not only ask and you will receive, he says, seek and you will find. So to seek is to kind of search after, it's to crave after something until you're satisfied with it. In essence, Jesus moves on from don't just participate in prayer, but be passionate in prayer. Seeking sometimes implies also that you may not even necessarily know what you're asking for or how to pray for it, but you're going to passionately seek the Lord for help. You're searching expectantly. You're, you're longing for God to come through. You're trusting in the promise of God that he really will answer you. And it also implies, though, that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers right away. See, sometimes he wants to discern our hearts. Is this just a passing prayer request, or is this something that you really value, that you treasure? The story goes about a man by the name of Howard Carty, Carter. He was a, an archaeologist. He studied for a long time archaeology before he went to Egypt. 
And uh, he had long heard of and read about the ancient Egyptians and their, and their treasures. Uh, and so every day for six years, he just kept searching in the heat of the desert, pouring through tons and tons of sand and just going everywhere, trying to search after some treasure. And after a long time of digging, of course, he had found nothing until in 1922, he found an ancient Egyptian tomb. First, it was only dark, darkness when he peered in and he saw, saw nothing. But then as light began to shine in that dark place, he saw wooden animals and chests and chariots and carved cobras and daggers and jewels. And then he saw a throne and then he saw the sarcophagus of a young king. See, Howard Carter passionately searched until he found what he was looking for and he found the lost treasure the greatest treasure in the history of Egypt. So for folks, let me ask you, are you passionate in your prayers? Are you seeking and longing and expecting for God to come through for you? Are you passionately praying and searching for far greater treasure from the Lord? Or maybe if you're honest, you've kind of lost that zeal. You know, maybe your prayers have, have gone cold. Maybe your, maybe your heart just, just has kind of moved away from the Lord. Or maybe you're just kind of praying rote prayers. You've lost that passion. Or maybe you've stopped praying altogether for certain things because you haven't yet seen the answer. What's the temperature of your prayers this morning? And if your prayers have grown cold, I just want to encourage you. Uh, first and foremost, um, the Lord knows that. He knows your heart, and you don't need to feel like you have to posture before him. Just bring your heart to him and say, God, my prayers have gone cold. I'm struggling right now. Along with that, can I encourage you if maybe there's certain things that you've stopped praying for and you've kind of given up? Sometimes God uses prayer to prepare our hearts to finally receive the treasure that we've been longing and hoping for. So don't lose heart. And along with that, let me, ask you, let me encourage you one more thing. Um, one of the things that's been really helpful to me when my prayers have gone cold is to come alongside and just spend time with others whose prayers are not cold, who are passionately praying for the Lord. One of my favorite things to do is to gather on the first thirds of every month. We pray for the needs of, of people around the world. Um, and I love to pray for our gospel partners, but even more so, I love to pray with the, with the, with the faithful saints, um, people who have gone far beyond me in their maturity, in their faith. And they've seen God come through time and time again. And just to be around them, it helps to thaw my cold heart, to kind of warm it towards the treasures of God and to, to long expectantly for God to move. And so I just encourage you, if you're, if you're praying isolated, move towards someone. Pray in community. Pray in a group. Bring your heart to the Lord and maybe ask for them to pray for your heart that it would soften back towards the Lord. So Jesus says, seek and you will find. What a great promise. Last but not least, Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened for you. Knock here is a word that doesn't just talk about participating or being passionate in prayer, but persisting in prayer. So if you think of seeking, and it kind of implies that you haven't yet found something. But knocking implies, no, you found it, but it's like a picture of a, a closed door that's in front of you. And no matter how hard you try, it won't open. It's like it's dead bolted on the other side and you can't get through. You've tried so hard and the door just won't open. And God says, I am promising to open the door for you. Persist in prayer. 
Uh, verse 7, by the way, um, the, these three commands, ask, seek, and knock, um, those are in what's called the present imperative. So it could be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's a mystery to us, certainly. But God in his sovereign design, he particularly honors those who persist and persevere in prayer. He treasures you when you persist in knocking on that door, asking him to open it. I love the picture in Revelation. Um, it's the picture of these golden bowls. And it says that these bowls are like the prayers of the saints that are rising up to God. They're like beautiful and wonderful incense as he smells them. It says at just the right time, he pours out his power in answering those prayers. Love the fact that all of our prayers are stored up. Not one of them is unnoticed. He pays attention to us. He honors those who are persisting in prayer. You know, I've often heard, though, um, some people say, well, how long should I persist in prayer? And uh, someone said, hey, push through in prayer, meaning pray until something happens. Keep knocking. God doesn't see you as an annoying salesman. <laughs> no, he sees you as a child who's knocking on the door. Trust that he will give to you the treasures of your heart. J.C. Rowles uh, puts it this way. He says, do we indeed pray? Then let us pray on and not faint. It is not lost labor. It is not useless. It will bear fruit after many days. Those words have never yet failed. Everyone that asks receives. And some of you have been persisting in prayer for a long time. I encourage you to keep on knocking. Uh, think about this. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a, a leadership dinner for our Restore leaders. Restore is a ministry um, where we just simply come alongside of men and women and help them to grow in their walk with the Lord. Uh, spend time in God's word and in prayer and in community and try to connect our story with God's larger story. There's my little plug for Restore. If you want to participate this fall, we'd love to have you. Um, and so we just kind of gather together to give thanks to the Lord for what he had done in Restore. But even more so than that, we began to share what God had done in our lives. And I love these men and women and how so many of them have persisted in prayer. And what was a really sweet theme around the table was how God began, was, God was just beginning to open up the doors to some of their prayers they've been praying for for a long time. Uh, this one couple had been praying for their children who had walked away from the Lord. And just recently, they were now starting to ask spiritual questions again. They even have a Bible study with a couple of their kids. And they were just like, God's opening the door. I can see it. It's really sweet. Another um, uh, wife was just talking about how she'd been persisting in prayer for her husband for a really long time. And she's like, and now God is just moving his heart in a dramatic way. And what was really sweet was not only to hear the answers to those prayers, but then for some of the others who were struggling to persist in prayers. Like, no, this is going to keep me going. This is going to keep me persisting. I'm going to keep praying because I know that God hears my prayer and he will respond because he loves me. Now, some of you might feel like, oh, I'm not a restore leader. Like, I'm not a mature believer. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really strong in my faith. I'm a new Christian. Well, Jesus is kind of anticipating your concern, possibly, when he then repeats this promise in verse 8. He expands the invitation even wider. He says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. In other words, this is not a promise restricted for a few believers. 
It's not just for those who are really mature and who've kind of caught God's ear. It doesn't matter whether you're young in your faith or you're old in your faith. Um, It doesn't matter. There are no exceptions. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened. And so, folks, I don't know what might be on your heart this morning, but God is inviting you to bring it all to him, to participate in prayer, to be passionate in prayer, to persist in prayer, to bring it all to him today. And some of you still might be wondering that, but what about me, Scott? Like, I have been persisting in prayer for a really long time. Is it something that I, that I said wrong? Did I lack faith? Did I, did I do just something, you know, inaccurate in the way that I pray? Like, what's going on for me? Some of you, this can be a real crisis in your faith. You can wonder, like, has God forgotten about me? Well, I love the fact that in this passage of Scripture, God not only gives us a promise for prayer, but he also gives us a perspective in prayer. Verse 9, Jesus uses an illustration. And he says, hey, if your child is hungry and they ask you for bread, you're not going to give them a stone. If your son or daughter asks for, you know, a a fish, you're not going to give them a serpent. Of course not. You as a parent, you will respond to your kids when they ask for something that they need. And Jesus goes one step further. He says, well, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good good things to those who ask? Now, he's not saying that we are evil per se, but he's saying in comparison to God and his holiness, we are really sinful. We fall so far short. And yet, you and I know that when your kids ask for things, you want to give them good gifts. Even the worst parents will sometimes give good gifts to their children when they ask for them. And Jesus says, your heavenly father is so much more. It's the how much more perspective. The picture Jesus wants us to understand is that God is not a reluctant father, kind of tight-fisted where we have to like pry open his hands to, to give things to us. No, the picture is of a God who is eagerly sitting on his throne, holding out his hands with open arms, just saying, I want to give good gifts to my kids. I'm a loving, gracious, wise, heavenly father who delights to give good gifts to his children. And fast forward, um, in Romans 8, the apostle Paul kind of picks up on this theme, this how much more perspective. And he says this, in Romans 8, 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, the Apostle Paul says, hey, if our Heavenly Father loved us so much that he gave up his one and only Son for us, then how much more can we trust him to give other good gifts whenever we're in need? But as we know, as any parent knows, sometimes we don't give our children what they want when they want it. We know what's best for them. And so even when they don't understand us or they complain or they ask again and again and again, sometimes we still withhold things from them because we have something better in mind. And it's the same thing with God. Even though our Heavenly Father has given so many good gifts to us, including the greatest gift of His Son, sometimes He says no or not yet to our request. And so the question is, when that happens, when that time of unanswered prayer comes in, Will you trust him? Will you trust him? 
I was sharing this illustration with Ruth Ann, uh, my daughter who loves to play soccer, a couple weeks ago. And I said, Ruth Ann, imagine you've got two teammates, two of your teammates, and, and they, they both are ready for the game. Uh, but one teammate, her dad, always comes to the game. He's always cheering her on. He's always, you know, coming through for her. And she's, he's, she's cheer, she loves to look out in the crowd, and he's cheering for her. And it's just amazing. And there's another teammate whose dad is often not at the games. Uh, her, her parents are divorced, and he rarely shows up. Uh, and he's often angry towards her. He's often mean towards her. But this game, both dads promise to come to the game. And at the beginning of the game, they look over at the crowd, and neither one of the dads are there. How will the two teammates respond? Well, the one teammate, whose dad always comes through for her, she concludes, there must be something going on with my dad, because I know that my dad loves me. I know that he always keeps his promises. Something must have happened. I hope he's okay. And the other girl, when her dad isn't there, she goes, yeah, that's just like him. He never keeps his promises. He never shows up. It's just like him. He did it again. She's the same situation, but very different perspectives. And in the same way, some of you, you might feel this morning like maybe God hasn't shown up for you in your game recently. But your perspective on your unanswered prayer changes drastically depending upon your viewpoint of your father. If you believe that he's a loving, gracious, kind father, then even when you don't understand, you still trust him. But if you believe that God is unloving or that he's absent or that he's powerless, then you may just conclude, well, that's just who he is. I ask you an important question. What is your perspective on God in your unanswered prayer? Jesus says to us, my father's a good father. He answers prayer. And when he doesn't, it's for good purposes. In fact, I want to tell you something. There was a time when I had an unanswered prayer. I had a really good heart, and I had a really good request. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I asked that my father would remove that cup of suffering from me. But my father didn't answer that prayer of mine the way that I longed for because he had something better. He had the salvation of his people in mind. And so I submitted to his will. I trusted in him. And now I've seen the fruit of my unanswered prayer the salvation of my people. See, Tim Keller, he re who recently went to be with the Lord, he said this. He said, in short, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knew. See, sometimes uh, we might wonder, well, if God loved me so much, why doesn't he answer my prayers? And I think God would respond, because I love you so much. I know more than you do. You've got to trust in me. Tyler Statton, in his book on prayer that some of you women have been making your way through in the uh, Women's Book Club, he says this. He says, Jesus hasn't revealed a God we can perfectly understand, but he has revealed a God we can perfectly trust. Trust is the certainty that the listening God hears and cares. And sometimes we don't understand what God is up to, but it doesn't mean that we can't trust in him. 
I heard it said recently that um, if God is going to do more than we could ever ask or imagine, then sometimes he's going to work in ways that are different than we could ask or imagine. Jesus says your heavenly father is a good father. He's come through for you time and time again. So keep pouring out your heart to him. Keep persisting in your prayers and trust that your heavenly father loves you and that he has good purposes for you. See your prayer through the lens of the cross. Jesus has proved his love, the love of the father, that he would give up his one and only son for you. So as you see it through that lens, then you can trust will graciously give you all the other things that you need when you need them. At the same time, we can still wrestle with what are you up to, God? What are you doing? What are you, what are you working in? And I think uh, Jesus has one last thing in mind in prayer. And it leads us to our last point, God's power through prayer. Um, Jesus closes out this section with what is often called the golden rule. He says this, he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them. For this is, or it calls me translated, or this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, we don't have much time to discuss it. Uh, there's no AC. It's really, really hot, and I'm sweating. And your kids are probably getting a little crazy there. But let me just really quickly summarize it by saying this. Jesus says this statement sort of summarizes the whole Sermon on the Mount. And even more than that, it kind of really summarizes all of the Bible. In essence, Jesus says, I want you to love one another. No matter the situation, no matter the person, treat others the way that you would want to be treated. And even more than that, treat others the way that your father treats you. But as we know, this rule of love, it's, it's easy to understand, but it's really hard to obey. And I think what's significant is that this golden rule of love follows Jesus' teaching on prayer. It's as if Jesus is saying, as God is loving and generous and kind and answering our prayers, so Jesus says we should be loving and generous and kind towards others. See, prayer sort of fuels generosity to those around us. And this is where the real power of prayer comes in. So God's power through prayer isn't just that our prayers are answered by our Heavenly Father, well, that's important. The other part to it is that through prayer, we begin to see that our God is a really good God. See, gratitude sort of fuels our understanding of God's prayers and how he answers them. And before we know it, we begin to see that God is not just answering our prayers. We begin to see that God really is kind that he really is generous, that he really is patient, that he really does forgive whenever we ask for it. And that he really does give good gifts to those who ask in prayer. And as we begin to see God's character more and more, then by his spirit, we not only grow in our admiration of him, but we also become more and more like him. That is God's purpose and power through prayer. 2 Corinthians 3.18 puts it this way. It says, we, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what Jesus and here the Apostle Paul is saying is the power of God through prayer 
is that whenever we begin to see God in his glory, then we begin to be transformed into his likeness. In other words, we become who we behold. As we see Jesus in his benevolence and his generosity and his forgiveness and his love, then we become more generous and more loving and more kind and more forgiving as well. This is God's power at work through prayer is that God is not only answering our prayers, but he's transforming us into his likeness through both those answered prayers and those unanswered prayers. As we continue to draw near to him more and more and more and more, and we begin to see this command not as drudgery, but as a delight because we're becoming more and more like the Lord. We're treating others the way that we would want to be treated. I was thinking about this. There's a man by the name of Praying Hyde. He was a missionary in India for a long time in the 1800s, and he would often spend a load of time in prayer with his Bible open. And then he would come out, and when the people would see him coming out of his prayer closet, it was almost as if his face glowed. Um, they saw him, and they saw Christ through him because he had spent time with the Lord in prayer. That is God's power through prayer. He changes us as we pray. So Four Oaks, would you hear Jesus' invitation to you this morning? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. You have a heavenly Father who loves you and who gives good gifts to his children including the greatest of all, the, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so as you begin to behold him, as you abide in his love more and more, and as you see him come through for you time and time again, then he begins to transform you more and more into his likeness that you may go and love one another and so fulfill the law and the prophets. As we know, we're still going to fall sh far short. And that's why Jesus we are not going to persevere in our prayers all the time. We're going to lose heart sometimes in our prayers. We're going to fall so far short. In comparison to our Heavenly Father, we are evil in many ways. And that's why Jesus had to come. Jesus came to answer our prayers, our deepest prayer, that we would be satisfied in him, that we would be saved from our sin, that we would enjoy an eternal home with him. That one day, all of those unanswered prayers will begin to see in the light of his glory and grace. We'll begin to see our great God who loved us and gave himself for us. And all of those prayers, those unanswered prayers, we begin to see as actual praise to our God. And most importantly, we will be with him forever and ever and ever. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you this morning and we just confess to you that we need you. We desperately need you. Would you help us to receive your invitation for what it is? Doesn't matter what the need is, big or small, we're to bring it to you in prayer and we're to trust that you are really a great heavenly father who gave up his son, 
and he ministers to us by the Holy Spirit so that we would know the love of God and that we would be transformed into your likeness more and more each day. So that one day, for all those who trust in Jesus, we will see you face to face. And oh, what a glorious day that will be. Oh God, would we respond to your invitation this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.